Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are we ready for our cold opening? You need to get really close to that microphone. <sighs> you and you're close to the microphone business. I'm sorry that that's kind of how sound works. That's how podcasts work. Do you ever love listening to a podcast that sounds like this and people talk like this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We had the best time in the world. It's clear that they're in a room. doesn't sound professional like this. Okay. Do you understand? But my other microphone sounds professional upstairs. The blue I, I gave you? Yeah. And I don't get that close to that one. Let me tell you. Not like this. I gave you that blue idea on purpose, so you're welcome. It sounds more professional. Yes. It does. Yes. Everybody loves it. You're working with a professional here. Yeah. Okay. Good and Lord. So I, you know, at the University of Chicago, I gave my lecture using that microphone on and they, Zoom. And, and they was, complimented your sound quality. They did. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome to History Rated R. My name is Will Sterling, just a man who cares too much about sound quality, apparently. <laughs> Fastidious in his desperation for quality of sound. Mm-hmm. And I am sitting here next to my esteemed co-host, uh, Lyle Lovett's tour manager, <laughs> Craig Smith. How are you, Craig? Uh, Julia Roberts is one hell of a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whatever to put comes up, up with Lyle Lovett, she Let's, has to be one hell of a woman. I, are they still married? I don't know. I thought he was much older than her. No, I, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know how old he is. Oh, okay. Well, I, that just is what popped into my head. Uh, he just looks like a skinny rooster. Like a skinny rooster. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds like a fun new character. The skinny rooster. <laughs> Our mascot, Lyle Lovett, the skinny rooster. Oh uh, yes. Um, we are here today to talk about President Ronald Reagan, very briefly President Jimmy Carter, mm-hmm. who served for only four years. Yeah. And then the Thank God. the the man <laughs> of all Republicans hours, Ronald Reagan, aka the Dick. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What was his nickname? The gu- the gu- Ronnie. The, the the Gipper. The Gipper, yes, the from Gipper. the movie Newt Rockney of Notre Dame, he plays George Gipp, okay. who dies in the movie. And it's it, uh, Ronald Reagan died in several movies. Um, and uh, He died in several he, movies? He, yeah, he, he, in King's Row, his legs are chopped off. It's terrible. Whoa. But he, he, because of his sympathetic portrayal mm-hmm. in Newt Rockney of Notre Dame of George Gipp, um, from that time on, they called him the Gipper. The Gipper. Yeah. Well, we're here to talk about the Gipper today. Yeah. Very controversial figure. Um, uh, transformational. Transformational. 
changed the whole direction <laughs> of the government. Of. Yeah, he really did in uh, in a lot of different ways, for good and for bad, I think mm-hmm. we can say. Mm-hmm. Some people feel more bad, some people feel more good. Well, you're going to get a two-sided approach from us today. <laughs> this is uh, Craig is a big fan of Ronald Reagan. I, I am, am a lot less of a big fan of him. Shocker. Shocker. If we came out with an episode and it was like, turns out Will loves Ronald Reagan and Craig thinks he's a big piece of shit, people would be floored. Yeah. Floored. Yeah. Who do you think there's anybody who's conservative that I like more than you? Oh, I, I don't I, think so. I don't think so. No, no, I couldn't. I, I, I got couldn't a soft spot for John McCain. How do you feel about John McCain? Well, John McCain was a, a, a wonderful war hero. Um, I happen to have been in rooms with him where I saw his temper. Mm-hmm. And it could get pretty violent. He would okay. throw things when Whoa. he got upset. Okay, that's not so good. Um, this is someone like Bob Dole who suffered in war. He was a, a prisoner of war for a long time, seven years. And and would not, probably fuck they, with you. And they said that they would release him. And he said, "I'm not going until you release all of the prisoners here." Correct. It's amazing. And um, uh, he was mocked by Donald Trump for being captured. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What yeah. a guy. You yeah. know, stalwart, just that Donald Trump. What a what a true Republican he was. Um, but uh, we, I talked briefly on an episode. Where I asked you a question. I said, "What was Ronald Reagan's favorite drink? Did he drink?" And you were like, "I'm not sure." And then you you texted me and you said he liked wine. Yes. And you called it an orange blossom special. Right. But from my research, I have not been able to find necessarily a orange blossom special. Just an orange blossom cocktail. Okay. Or orange blossom martini. I'm sure that's what it was. But somewhere in the world, it's called an Orange Blossom Special. Yeah, and he, and he liked it because when he moved to California, he was taken with the scent of orange blossoms when, oh. he, when he came here from did, the Midwest. Okay. Um, he was born and raised in Illinois. Okay. And uh, then did some radio work in Iowa and then back in Chicago. And then he came out here, as we'll see in the episode uh, to Catalina Island. Okay. And, uh, and then from there to Hollywood and just loved the orange blossoms. Yes. And they well, invented a drink. The, uh, the website Barsys, B-A-R-S-Y-S.com, the Barsys.com says that the orange blossom cocktail said to have originated, or originate orange, 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 oh, glad oh, stop oh, saying oh, banana. Yeah. Knock, knock. Who's here? Orange blossom cocktail said to have originated in the early 1900s at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New mm. York City. The drink was created by the bartender Frank Meyer, who named it after the hotel's signature flower. Meyer's original uh, orange blossom cocktail recipe called for orange juice, orange blossom water, and gin. Yeah. However, over the years, the Orange Blossom cocktails evolved to include a variety of different ingredients. Today, the Orange Blossom cocktails typically made with orange juice, gin, and sweet vermouth. Some recipes yes. also call for Orange Blossom water or bitters. And our old friend. Who's our old pal? Who's, who's the oldest pal we have on the podcast here, Craig? Sweet James. <laughs> oh, even older than Sweet James. Even older uh, than Sweet James. Is this a, a recipe book guy? This is a recipe book guy. Oh, okay. All right. Harry Craddock. There we go. The Savoy Cocktail Book writer. There we go. Hold for plane. The fucking window's open. Oops. You closed yours. I closed mine. I forgot to close mine. Yeah. Here I am caring well, it's, about it's sound quality. It's a plane quality. dragging one of those signs. What does it say? Beach people. Oh, beach people. Fuck The blimp people. went by today and it was made out as a shark. Oh, for Shark Week on the Discovery, on Discovery Network. Channel. Isn't Network. that wonderful? What a delight. Yeah. Uh, old HC Harry Craddock adapted from the following recipe in Harry Craddock's 1930 Savoy cocktail book. 
orange blossom cocktail, one quarter Italian vermouth. This is what fucks me up with this recipe book. I got to do some research to figure out what the proper measurement is because he doesn't say ounce. He doesn't say like jigger, shot, anything. It's like one cup of wine. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what do you quantify as a cup of wine? A cup of wine to me is a fucking ton of wine. It's eight ounces. I'm up to the tippy top. I'm like, well, because all this wine's going on. Well, most of us know that a cup is eight ounces. Who's most of us? Just you, okay? No, I think most people think like me. Most cooks. Uh, You're not making you dinner later. I know. You're saying I'm not a cook? I'm saying most cooks know that a cup is eight ounces. <laughs> if you are on the outlier of no, cook world. I guess I should rephrase. It says like one glass of wine. It doesn't oh. say like a measurement Well, that's thing. stupid. That uh, would be stupid. Like this says one-fourth Italian vermouth. One well, fourth, then, you know, then you know four to one. You know how to work out the ratios. One-fourth contro. Yeah. One half dry gin. Mm-hmm. Shake well and strain it to cocktail glass. And that's glass it. And add so it cherry. depends on how many people you're serving. So if you were, you know, you just dub, you know, you do a quarter, a quarter, and then two. So a jigger, a jigger, and then two jiggers. Okay. But if you were serving more people, then you go two jiggers, two jiggers, four jiggers. I bet the person who wrote us a negative review is having the best time listening to us <laughs> babble about alcohol. I, oh, yeah. As they said. Yeah. This is the history of alcohol. What a fun time. Yeah. Um. Here's a little, this episode's super long. I'm sorry, you guys, but I want to tell this story. And then and the next, this episode and the next one are long, but you know what? You're in now. The listeners are in. Yeah. They appreciate us. Um. This is a, a little bit of history around the orange blossom cocktail and a murder. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. do you know who William Desmond Taylor was? No. The silent film star, William oh. Desmond Taylor. He was murdered. Ooh. Uh, on, at 7.30 a.m. on the morning of 2nd of February, 1922, the body of William Desmond Taylor was found inside his bungalow at the Alvarado Court Apartments, 404B. South Alvarado Street. Yes, Craig, you're raising your hand. Do you think that Norma Desmond was named for him in Sunset Boulevard? Oh, it could be. It could be. He'd been shot in the back. Dun, dun, dun. The evening before, his neighbor claimed to have heard the sound of a gunshot, like a car backfiring, and seen a funny-looking stranger leaving Taylor's bungalow wearing a muffler and a plaid cap pulled over his... Over his or her eyes. Ooh, we're gender inclusive of who this murderer could be. That's fair. By the way, this is uh, from a website called what Luke Honey. He ripped the muffler off from. This is from a blog called Luke Honey. I want to make sure that I'm citing this because this person wrote this, and I'm reading what they wrote. Right, right over your head. What did you say? You said he was wearing a muffler, and I said, "What car did he get it out of?" <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better than a joke you have to repeat. <laughs> Uh, the case remains <clears throat> the case remains unsolved to this day, Craig. Mm. Unsolved to this day. Let's get on it. But things get stranger. William Desmond Taylor wasn't really William Desmond Taylor at all. His real name was William Cunningham Dean Tanner, son of an Anglo-Irish-British army major. Dean Tanner had immigrated to New York. We had set up business as a society antique dealer. On the 23rd of October 1908, he had suddenly vanished leaving behind a wife and young daughter, only to resurface four years later with a changed name and discovered talent for acting. So this dude was like, Ooh. I'm tired of my family. Bye. I, my <laughs> wife and daughter, uh, I'm over this. I'm quite, I, I'm quite taken by the stage, if you, if you must know. I think it's time that I g- allow my inclinations for being a thespian to come to fruition, and right. I will become William Desmond Taylor. Um, 
Anyway, the Orange Blossom cocktail was an extremely popular cocktail during Prohibition. Um, but this uh, this story says that um, William Desmond Taylor enjoyed an Orange Blossom cocktail with Mabel Normand a few hours oh, before the, the shooting. Great Mabel Norman. A few yeah, hours yeah, before the shooting. She's a great silent star. They played the wow. piano, discussed Nietzsche and Freud, as, as, as one does, until wow, a quarter to eight. Mabel, you were much smarter than we thought. Taylor walked Norman to her car. They blew kisses at each other uh, as her chauffeur drove off, with the exception of the murderer. She was the last person to see William Desmond Taylor alive. He must have been quite the charmer because she was a big star. Well, he was a big star, apparently. I never heard of him. That doesn't mean that you're not a big star. <laughs> a lot of people haven't heard of me and I'm the biggest fucking star in the world, Craig. You know that. That's true. Thank you. Okay. I'm the most talented man nobody knows. That's written. That'll be my epitaph on my headstone. Here lies William John Sterling, the first, the most talented man nobody knows. The the diamond most in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> Forever in blue jeans. The all Neil right, Diamond in the rough. All right, That'll be me. All right. All right. You're gonna we're gonna so talk can about- I can I tell people to pay attention for one moment? In the episode? In the I, You're gonna tell I, them something about something not, in the episode before they hear it in the episode. Not in the episode that I want to clue in. Okay. Okay. Lightning round, go. So Ronald Reagan runs for president in 68, doesn't Uh get it, goes to Nixon. Right. He comes back, runs against Ford in 76, doesn't get it, comes back in 80, runs, and then the question is, you know, how how did he pull it off? Uh Well, in October, going into the election in November, he's behind, and he decides to debate the independent candidate. Carter won't debate Reagan. So... Reagan decides to debate the independent candidate, John Anderson, who was a Republican, went independent, Mm -hmm. um, and was really a liberal in Republican clothing. Ah. And so Reagan is going to use the debate to reveal this. Now, the people who watch the debate, including me, on debate points, John Anderson won the debate. Mm -hmm. But in the process of winning the debate, he revealed himself as a liberal. I see. And... All of the Anderson votes then shifted to Reagan, and now Reagan was really close to Carter. Carter said, let's do this guy in. Yeah. Carter had watched the debate and thought Reagan was not a good debater okay. and that he could beat him. So that's what was the lead-in to the Reagan-Carter debate. I see. And Reagan blew him away. Well, don't of, spoil of the, it. Don't spoil it. They're well, going to hear I, that. I, 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 it's just, you know, the... It's not me. It's, there were five <laughs> it's liberal... It's not me. It's history. It's history. But there were five liberal debate coaches that uh-huh. were hired by CBS to watch the debate and render a decision. Okay. Reagan won four to one. Okay. Reagan the won preview. four to one. Well, we're going to hear a lot more about uh, the Gipper right after this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It sucks because Jimmy Carter's still alive. And like, I don't want to shit on him because he's well, such a I, sweet, I think he's, good he, person. One of the best ex-presidents we've ever had. What does that mean? He's better after he was yes, president? He, okay. he, he is. He's, he, he's a nice man, but nice guys aren't always great presidents. And, okay. and he had a lot of trouble as president, but with uh, Habitat for Humanity and... Um, Which I've done work for, by the way, when I was a child. Well, yes, good for you. For good mm, for you. I'm such a good person. How's the homeless? Um, but... His presidency, I, I, it was just amateur night, frankly. Okay. Uh, they didn't know what they were doing. Um, he, for example, when he was, de- the, one of the first things he dealt with was the energy crisis that we were having. Mm-hmm. So he comes on television in a sweater and in a rocking chair. Okay. And they tell us that like they're going to be. Mr. Rogers vibes. There you go. Okay. They tell us that they're going to be um, two speeches a week apart. Mm-hmm. The first speech will address the problem of energy the second speech a week later will address the solution. Okay. So here you have the President of the United States in a rocking chair uh, w- with a sweater. And he's not only telling us what the problem is, he's kind of preaching at us. Okay. Which you might expect from huh. a Southern Baptist minister type. I see. Uh, and and then he says, and next week I'll tell you the solution. Well, it was a bomb. I mean, the, the first one, the problem, the, the part pu- one the public, was a bomb. You do not tell the public we have a problem and say, I'll come back in seven days with, with the a solution. solution. <laughs> I don't know who thought that up. A lot of movies, you know, come see part one, knowing that there will be a part two. Well, yeah. Uh, and you get yeah. the cliffhanger ending because fuck you, you're an idiot. Yeah. I hate that. that like, I, give me a complete story. Yeah. Yes. And, Except and for Lord of the Rings. So th- that did not go over well. And then he came with the solutions, which did not go over well. Um, and there was massive inflation hit i mean housing mortgages were at 12 percent okay if you got a good one i I mean imagine i'm uh i know nothing about the housing market because i have zero dollars and i don't know how to do house stuff 12 percent is very bad oh god okay and and, and i don't know i had a credit card where i was paying 33 percent interest rate on it so yeah yeah, that's horrible horrible. yeah but 12%, I'm like, well, that's not as bad as 33%. Ooh, yeah, but... <laughs> I don't know anything about money. I mean, some mortgages were 15, some were 16. I okay. Mean, it, I think it, you know, it was it was low at 12. <clears throat> so, that you know, that was problematic. And it seemed like the country was drifting and didn't know what, how to handle it. And so his, his um, administration was labeled in the press with... The, the the term malaise which mm-hmm. means we don't know where we're going kind of thing it's i don't know what the you know it's all a blur and so on and so forth and um and then he so he he began to try to reach out to the republicans mm-hmm. and they all got interested in deregulation okay so a lot of people think that deregulation came under reagan it didn't it came under carter at&t uh. was broken up into the baby bells okay and then we had all these uh new telephone companies yeah which for many people is a good thing because they could get lower rates and so on and so forth right the and good era, cheese right baby yeah Bell? yeah yeah and then uh <laughs> you're just like yeah 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 totally they they, <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they deregulated trucking 
Okay. And we see that here now in Long Beach, what, what that means. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, they're all over the place. They're clogged. They're parked on side streets. You can't get them out of here. Yeah. They deregulated the airlines. All of this for the consumer. So the consumer got lower prices, mm. but it wrecked the train industry, Okay, uh, which then had to be supported. Uh, so it was it was kind of a, a mix uh, uh, of things uh, that went on uh, under Carter, um, and so he was running for re-election, and he was challenged uh, by Ronald Reagan. Uh, Reagan got the nomination over George H. Uh, w. Bush, mm-hmm. and I was working for Bush in that campaign. Okay. I was a speechwriter for George H. W. Bush in the eighty cycle. Okay, <clears throat> he hired me in nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. And it came down to the wire. They were still both in the contest in June. Um, And Reagan won like one more primary and that did it. And so Reagan got the nomination. He was going to put Ford on the ticket with him. Really? To buttress it. And like, here's a here's a flashback from the good old days. Well, and former president Ford. How how credible can we be? You know, that's true. You know, Ford was renovated at that point. That's true. I mistakenly spoke earlier. I said we went from Nixon to Jimmy Carter. That's not true. We went for, to Ford and then to Jimmy yeah, Carter. That but, was my But yeah. Ford was never elected. So. Right. Uh, and, and then at the convention, Ford was being interviewed by Walter Cronkite. And Walter Cronkite said, you know, what's this going to be like? How, how You're a former president. How, how are you going to be feeling <laughs> being a vice president? Yeah. And Ford made the mistake of being honest. He said, oh, no, no. It'll be more like a co-presidency. Oh, boy. Reagan was watching and said, that's it. Yep. Nope, yep. not going to do that. Let's see who else is around. No, 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 no. We, both our penises are the same size. It's 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 not going to be a, like that's like right. Like the president is the ultimate dick measuring contest, and everyone knows the VP is always like a little shat on. Yeah. Uh, and for a former president to be like, so, uh, it's going to be a co-president. He's like, no, no, don't don't get me wrong. My right. my dick is still big. Okay, that's right. it's that's just right. as big. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Wednesday night. Uh, George H.W. Bush gave a fantastic speech at the convention endorsing Ronald Reagan. And Reagan looked at it and said, and and this is how speeches can change history. uh, I want him. Mm -hmm. I want to put him on the ticket. And that's how uh, Bush got on the ticket with Reagan. Okay. And so then we go into the fall and Carter is ahead in all the polls. People seem to forget this. Reagan was behind Carter. Mm. And wanted to debate Carter. Okay. And Carter didn't want to debate. I mean, we go back to the 1960 Nixon-Kennedy thing. Nobody's debate. you know. Yeah. Carter had uh, lost the first debate to Ford, so he was nervous about debating. But the polls began to close. And again, we have amateur night in the Carter campaign. They underestimated Ronald Reagan. They, he's an actor. Mm-hmm. He can't possibly win a presidential debate. Right. So let's debate him. And they debate him mid to late October. And Reagan blows Carter off the stage by every standard. Uh, there was a group called the American Forensic Association, which is an association of debate coaches. Okay. I always and forget the forensics. It, it means not always yeah, criminal science. It, 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 it's not CSI. It, it, yeah. Intercollegiate debate. Yeah. And uh, all five of them were liberals. Okay. I, they were close friends of mine. I was part of the AFA. And th- they all 
except the one that came from Georgia, (laughs) thought that Jimmy Carter had been blown away by Ronald Reagan by every standard of, of, uh, you know, forensic evidence, argument, charm. Yeah. So Um, it really was a crime scene investigation then. There you go. (laughs) Am I right? He murdered him. (laughs) (laughs) So the polls instantly switched. All the undecided vote flipped to Reagan. Reagan uh-huh. won overwhelmingly over Carter and flipped the Senate. They made a a 12-seat gain. Wow. Net gain in the Senate. Were and they so expected the, to flip the Senate at all? They, they were expected to get it closer. Okay. But they hadn't, the Republicans hadn't controlled the Senate since 1954. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this was a big shock. Yeah. And Damn, I was I was at time. a campaign headquarters for the candidate. I was managing a Senate campaign at the same time. And the first race that came in was from Indiana. Okay. And Dan Quayle beat Senator Birch Bayh, who was highly respected. Senator Birch Bayh. Senator Birch Bayh of Indiana. Was I, uh, here at Christmas time, you should get yourself a Birch Bayh box. <laughs> a box Birch, of goodies from Birch Bayh. I, I think it's a canoe. Birch. It's a Birch Bayh canoe Birch is Bayh what canoe. you want I see. for Christmas. Right. So um, when that one came in, we began to think, oh, this could be a long night for the Democrats. And it was. So Reagan was ushered in in control of the Senate. They'd eventually take control of the House also. And, uh, the, the, you know, the economy was in, in, in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and in comes Ronald Reagan. Now, I want to really do some stuff with, with Ronald Reagan. First of all, let me tell you how I first met Ronald Reagan. Okay. Okay. I was a professor at San Diego State University in, in 1970 when the Cambodian crisis happened under Nixon. And there were student demonstrations on May 4th, 1970. One of those student demonstrations took place at Kent State University. The demonstrators charged up a hill toward the National Guard on the campus. Wow. Four people were killed by the National Guard. Oh, God. It was horrible. Ronald Reagan was governor of California. He shut down the state universities. Okay. All of them. He said, we're going to take like a bank holiday under Franklin Roosevelt. We're going to take an education holiday. Shut the schools down. Shut everything down for three days. Well, a bunch of us got together and said, why don't we do teach-ins? You know, let's go around and educate people about the Vietnam War Uh and the Cambodian crisis and so on and so forth. So I went to Redlands University and participated in... Uh, uh, a teach-in there. And then I went to Berkeley and I was hosted by a science professor who was a liberal and I was a conservative and we were going to make a joint presentation. Mm -hmm. And I started talking about the different cultures in Vietnam, going back, way back, and saying that the North was mainly Buddhist, the South became Catholic because of the French colonizing the region and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden... The audience started throwing tomatoes and eggs and garbage at us. Hmm. They didn't want to hear that. What did they want to hear? They wanted to hear that it was one united country and that this was a civil war in Vietnam and not a war between two different nations. I see. And so uh, we had to retreat and I had to get back to the scientist's house and take all my clothes off and they had to launder them. Because you're covered in... Because I was covered in, in garbage. Wow. And uh, that 
is why Berkeley is so endearing to me, even to well, this day. So the students were, the, the, I mean, I imagine that they were angry. They're they're whipped up. Four people got killed by the National Guard, which, listen, people can say whatever the fuck they want about people charging the National Guard. You're the fucking National Guard and those kids don't have goddamn guns. So don't kill them. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, exactly. wrestle them to the ground, do whatever. Do right. not shoot those fucking people. Right. They are not armed. Well, I don't care how fast or strong they are. You're the goddamn National Guard. Do something more responsible. You know, you know, you know, have a fact checker call back in. Okay. It may have been the ROTC, if not the National Guard. It may have been the campus ROTC. Who shot and killed people? Yeah. God. Um, th- there were several documentaries done on it. There was somebody on a roof nearby with a telephoto lens that may have been mistaken for a rifle aimed at the uh, oh, ROTC like or okay. the National Guard. I, you know, I can't remember. But this was under Governor James Rhodes, a Republican in Ohio. And and so uh, it, it, you know, tended to be uh, on the on the militant side. In any case, what happened to me at Berkeley made some headlines uh-huh. and Reagan, as governor, saw them and asked me to come to Sacramento to talk to him about what could be done on our campuses. Okay. So I got to meet with him. How can we reach the hyper-liberal student base? (laughs) I think they're still asking that question. Actually, Republicans just don't give a fuck anymore. It gets better because I met with him with a group of conservative professors. There were five of us Mm -hmm. in the room. And I was the youngest, the only one with a beard. And um, we went around the room. (laughs) That's a qualifier. so, So the first professor a guy named Berman in the English department somewhere said, well, what we need to do is start having dossiers on students. We need to investigate them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. And then the next one says, well, it's the graduate students that are stirring them up. They're the ones we have to go after. And then the third one says it's professors. And so we need to go after them. And I'm like sitting there going, what the fuck are you talking about? And these are all Republicans? yeah okay and so it gets to me and i'm looking at reagan and he's looking at me and i said with all due respect governor reagan these people aren't talking about violating academic freedom they're talking about violating the civil rights of these people right and and i reject all of this i don't want to be part of this you can't do it that way right and reagan I'll never forget it. He slammed his fist on his desk and he stood up and he was red faced. And he said, I went through the red scare. I had to defend Hollywood. I had to defend people who were put on blacklists. My wife was put on a blacklist by mistake. This is not going to happen. This meeting is over. And he walked out of the room. Wow. And they all looked at me with such hatred. <laughs> it was great. My favorite part about that, the detail you said is like, I was the youngest. I was the only one with a beard. Anyway, we were talking to like, I like that you being the only one with a beard was this like, <laughs> detail that you're like, excuse me, Governor Reagan. Yeah. I believe I speak for the students here because I am the only man with a beard. Okay. I am, I am, I am hip. And, and you know, I was 26. I'm kidding. I know. I know. I was 26. And these other farts were like 55 and 60. So that was my first meeting with Ronald Reagan. Okay. And I, he, he became a hero right there for me. For you. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so now you flash forward. My client, H.W. Bush, is the vice president. Reagan is the president. And so I get to meet with him every once in a while because... H.W. can get me into meetings and 
and things like that. Mm-hmm. The, the most famous one was in 1983, Reagan called all the Republican senators who controlled the Senate into an off-the-record, no-reporters meeting in the White House. Mm-hmm. And W said to me, you know, Bush is the president of the Senate at that time. The vice president serves as the president of the Senate. Uh, uh, so H.W. called me and he said, do you want to come to this meeting? And I said, are they letting any aides in? And he said, no, but I can get you in. Hmm. So I go into this meeting and Reagan comes out and he tells them that he's going to go on national television and announce tomorrow a strategic defense initiative, which will become strategic defense S. SDI and the press calls it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Luke Batman Governor Luke, Luke Luke Skywalker calls it Skywalker Star, Star Wars. Wars there oh. you go how the fuck would I have ever made that co- SDI you're like now pull on the thread well, SDI because S- becomes Luke Skywalker I'm like where what? the fuck <laughs> well S- go together right well anyway <laughs> SDI is. Uh, a missile system that's going to shoot down incoming missiles. Okay. okay. See, if you gave me that information, maybe okay. I'd okay. be able to yeah. make a Star Wars connection. It's a space thing. So oh, I didn't know that. No, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> and why is this perfect? Because we've just gone through episode two of uh-huh. Star Wars, and it's yes, enormously the popular. The and the press thinks they're making fun of Reagan by calling it Star Wars. They're really helping him. Right. Everybody likes it because it's called Star Wars. Uh, yeah. yeah but the press can be stupid sometimes. Right. So anyway, at this meeting, Reagan says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend a lot of money on this strategic defense initiative to shoot down incoming missiles. And I want your support. And Senator Chafee from Rhode Island says, that's kind of not viable. Mm-hmm. I mean... Even if they wipe out 90% of the incoming missiles, 10% get through and we're still wiped out. Right. And Reagan says, yeah, but this will spend them into the ground because they're paranoid in the Soviet Union. Mm. So if we start spending on a strategic defense initiative, they're going to start spending on a whole, whole bunch of more missiles and defense and so on and so forth. And I guarantee you, it will break their economy. Mm. It was fascinating. Yeah. To, to see that. So Reagan was like, totally fine if they kill everybody. No. We'll at least spend them into the ground. They'll spend, we'll themselves. spend them into the ground. Yes, but if they did what Chafee said, by the way, you clear up a Chafee with a little Vaseline. But uh, <laughs> if uh, if they did, all the everyone would be dead. Yeah, then the Soviet Union would be broke, but like we'd all be dead. No, but, they, but the, the point is it's mutual destruction. So nobody's going to do that. Okay. But they're going to keep building up to keep up. Right. And they can't afford it, and we can. Okay. So, and that's what happened. I see. That's what eventually defeated the Soviet Union. I they see. went okay. down in 89 under H.W. Bush, but it was Reagan that did it. That right. started the whole push. Okay. Okay. So, the other, pro- now, now we can do a negative on, on Reagan, right? Okay, sure. Uh, at this time, AIDS is breaking out all over the place. Yes. And he's not saying a word about it, not looking at it, nothing happening. Okay. And so I went to being still in the closet in those days. I went to HW and I said, look, Mr. Bush, 
um, you got to talk to him about this. This is awful. Yeah. This is an epidemic. It's affecting everybody. It started with homosexuals. That's granted, mm-hmm. but it's carried now carried over. Do we know for a fact that it started with people yes. who were gay? Yes, it was. It was a gay flight attendant that brought it into this country. It, 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 what's it called? Um, something X, victim X. That's oh. I got the wrong word, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one, patient was, zero. Was, it was. It was a gay flight attendant. Okay, and caught it in, in uh, Africa and and brought it to America, and then you had all this contact and got it. so on and so forth. It was. I mean, it was. It was a mess. I mean. Uh, Diane Feinstein is the mayor of San Francisco. She closes down all the gay baths mm-hmm. because she thinks that's how it's being contagious. Right. Um, I mean, it was really frightening uh, uh, what what was happening. I mean, you think COVID's bad? That was yeah, yeah. Well, that was really awful too. Yeah. So anyway, Bush went to Reagan and tried to persuade him to to do more about this, and and he did. And then Rock Hudson died of mm-hmm. AIDS, mm-hmm. and that really struck home. I with Reagan because he knew Rock Hudson very well. I I will actually bring my own information to this because I love Rock Hudson, and mm-hmm. uh, it didn't quite go that way. Unfortunately, he was in Paris getting experimental like drugs yes. and, and treatments um, because in the U.S. we were like, no, like gay people shouldn't be able to have this healthcare, even though they're all dying because of this horrible thing. Um, Rock Hudson is now like really the first major out celebrity um, of that stature. You know, I mean, of yeah. like being a, a leading man movie star and being like, "Oh, Rock Hudson's gay," and he and he only came right. out because he got AIDS. So he writes a letter to the Reagans like for help approving these experimental drugs to not only help himself but to help other people. And they wrote back and they said no. That's right, and that is exactly and then he what died. preceded my conversation with bush okay so i just want to get it clear right. that reagan yes. did not help out rock hudson no rock that's hudson right. died you're, you're, you're and right that was there that i put came, that on them that too. came first yes and then the reagans did that awful thing mm-hmm. for which the gay community has never forgiven them as they should that, not as they should not but it was at that point that i went to hw and said we need to do something about this okay. now hw as you may recall and we'll get back to this when he becomes president was with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The former head of the CIA. Mm. So see, me being me, I had we, no idea. We, I did not know we, that. Yeah. Well, he was ambassador to China. He was ambassador to the UN. He was one of the most qualified people ever to run for president uh, in 88. But at this point, I'm just a you know, a little speechwriter, but I got to be careful because we're still not accepting homosexuals in government Mm -hmm. because they can be blackmailed. Right. So 
do I go to him and and make this case as some of my friends are dying? Uh, and does that then reveal me mm-hmm. to the vice president? Does he then say, well, okay, I'm going to go talk to Reagan, but I don't want you around my campaign anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was a big risk. Yeah. And uh, I think he knew okay. and didn't do anything about it. And I, 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 I continued to work with him. Okay. All up into his presidency and beyond, as yeah. we'll see in, in the Bush episodes. But uh, so that there we were with Reagan. And in 1983, the other thing that started happening was the economy started to rebound. Okay. Uh, and it went into a big Reagan prosperity thing. Mm-hmm. And we go into 1984 and it looks like Reagan Bush are going to be pretty easily reelected. The Republicans are, uh, the Democrats are all fighting with one another. They finally settle on Walter Mondale, um, the the senator from uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, and the former vice president under Jimmy Carter. And so it's Mondale against Reagan, and nobody's really worried about it in the Republican Party or in the in the Reagan administration. But they have to have a debate because that's how Reagan got in. So they right. agree to two debates. Always do two. Look what happened to Carter. If he'd had a second debate, mm. he might have been able to recover, but yeah. he only had one. Yeah. You don't want to do that. So they agree to two debates. In the first debate, the people who are prepping Reagan give him these huge briefing books. I have copies of brie- briefing books uh, from when I did it with, with H.W. Bush. And basically, the briefing book has a on each issue, it has a cover sheet. Okay. And that's all you're supposed to look at, but they're backup documents if you need them. Okay. And you want to look at where this information was uh, derived. Well, Reagan, being a script man mm-hmm. and remembering that he had a photographic memory, tries to remember the whole briefing book. Oh, God. Yes. The, the, uh, this sounds like a terrible idea. I'm immediately. Yes. I don't care what your memory is. I'd be like, excuse yes. me. Uh, yes. Mr. President, we're, we're not going to we're not going to do that. This is and, a whole book. And he's up at night and Nancy's getting worried and he's got these briefing books in the, uh, you know, up in their bed. And uh, uh, he goes into the debate and he's just like paralyzed yeah. because he's got too much in his head. Yeah. And Ronnie Reagan, his son, said this was the first time we thought that this might be onset mm. uh, of Alzheimer's. Okay. Uh, because he was he was he was not good in the debate. Yeah. And everybody kind of panicked, and suddenly you had you know a crisis in the campaign. The yeah. next debate was the vice presidential debate between George H. W. Bush mm-hmm. and uh, Geraldine um, Ferraro, okay, the vice presidential candidate. And uh, I was in on the prep uh, for H. W. And debating a woman, if you're a man is difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are passive, you're going to look like a wuss. We're talking in the 80s. In the 80s. Yeah. If you're aggressive, it's going to look like you're mean to somebody. Right. Um, And so... And all because we just couldn't let women be equal. Well, (laughs) you have... What a a fucking quagmire. Women had that binary problem of, you know, if they... No, men's relationship to women was the problem, not women. It was the... Yeah, and it's the perception of women. That's what I mean. If a woman does... If a woman is aggressive in a debate, 
They're going to call bitch. her a bitch. Yes. If she's passive, they're going to say, see, she's you don't want that. Yeah, exactly. So right. she Same was thing. the one that really faced a, a dilemma. I see. We met, uh, those of us who were on HW's staff and the Geraldine Ferraro staff people met after the election to okay. talk about what had happened because okay. it was pretty dramatic. And um, Ann Reynolds was one of the people advising uh, Geraldine Ferraro. And she said she kept changing her mind about what clothes she was going to wear hmm. up until an hour before the debate. Hmm. I mean, you can't do that. You, you've got to, it's all got to be set the day before, and then you go with your plan. Yeah. If you start doing that, number one, you're going to be exhausted from right. changing clothes. Right. And what she chose was a kind of houndstooth. Love a houndstooth. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not but kidding. But it was, it was fuzzy houndstooth. Okay. Look at the YouTube thing. She looks very grandmotherly. I see. Um, it, it, it's not sharp. It's not a, a kind cool of houndstooth. Okay. fuzzy issue. Um. Now, what we advised uh, HW to do was simply answer the questions, because you're brilliant, mm -hmm. look into the camera, ignore her. Whatever you do, just ignore her, look into the camera, don't let her goad you or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of the way through, everything's going smoothly, <laughs> and he's looking brilliant, and she looks like she really doesn't understand foreign policy, and uh, suddenly she says something that was kind of naive in foreign policy. And he turned to her and said, let me help you with that, Geraldine. Oh. No, manspl he mansplained the answer to uh, her. And he mansplained her. And she had the high point of her career yeah. when she said, Mr. President, I don't have to have fought Vice President at this Mr. Time. Vice President, yeah. I don't have to have fought in a war to love peace. Nice. Well, that's a solid response. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because he'd served. Right. In the, in the, it was a hero in the Navy. So um, that is the moment that everybody, right. you know, the that's press the takes out. And that, that's, your, that's your big debate moment. Yeah. But um, then we went to the second Reagan-Mondale debate. And in the meantime, uh, Nancy Reagan had famously said to the staff, let Ronnie be Ronnie. No briefing books. Mm. Get out of here. Mm -hmm. And he went out and, and just performed brilliantly. For some reason, Mondale had, in the second debate, an enormous amount of makeup on. Hmm. And you could see it. It was almost like flaking off of him. And, <laughs> and it, was, it was weird. Uh, so he looked like a Halloween person. And we were coming up to Halloween for the second debate. Right. And, and Reagan won it. Uh, I mean, he really just outcharmed Mondale. And uh, Reagan and Bush went on to win the election. Another victory. But then, you know, with Reagan, we got to the... The second term blues, you know, we, we yeah. see these people, you know, the, the we've already seen that in the second term, uh, Truman got in a hell of a lot of trouble. Eisenhower had the recession and had some problems. Uh, and now we get into the Reagan, you know, the first two years of the second term were great. Everybody was happy. They're okay. riding high. There's prosperity. There are these economic problems uh, and international problems, but they, they solve them quickly yeah. and well. I mean, um, you know, when on the island of Grenada, these guerrillas take over the med school where there are a lot of American students, Reagan just goes in and takes over the island. 
and wipes out the guerrillas and says, here's your island back and takes, you know, the American students out. Right. Um, there was a disaster in Lebanon where um, he he sent Marines in to stabilize the country. Mm-hmm. And Lebanon is consistently a trouble place. Okay. Uh, my father was on the ships that supported the trips, troops in 1958 when the Syrians tried to take over Lebanon at that point. It's always been, it, you know, it's a Christian nation inside an Arab enclave. Okay. So it's, it's very difficult. And uh, the terrorists blew up the Marine base and killed a lot of Marines and Reagan pulled all of them out. Hmm. And then came the famous idea uh, hatched by one of his aides, Oliver North, that in Nicaragua, we have Mm -hmm. a communist leaning president. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do is get guns to those Mm -hmm. rebels. Mm -hmm. And if we kind of pay some money to Iran, maybe they will get the guns to the Contra rebels. And this became known, this was a violation of policy right. that had been set down by Congress. And this became the Iran-Contra scandal in the sixth year of the Reagan administration. Um, Reagan's defense was, I don't remember anything like that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Oliver, I think Oliver I North got off. I don't know how, but he, he got off. Uh, appearing before Senate committees in his Marine uh, uniform. Um, Bush was confronted about it later on in the 88 campaign and said, no, I was out of the loop. Of course. Of course. Yeah, you're the former head of the CIA and you didn't know about this. Right. I'm the fucking you know, vice I, president I, I, also. I, lo- I love you to death, my favorite client, but... Mm-mm-mm. I like how he's a client. Yeah, you're like, ah, fuck him. He's a, just a client. <laughs> <laughs> he, so, would know, he works for me. Yeah. So anyway, um, the Reagan administration ended on kind of a down note. I would also. And and then H.W. became president. The Soviet Union fell Mm. and Reagan became a hero again. I would say that a big down note for the Reagan presidency is also the the, the brilliant idea of the war on drugs, which was a... uh, tremendous waste of resources in order to uphold and people if we got any middle of the road people they might think this is a little liberally than preachy but it's real so the crack epidemic which most people associate with poor black people or black youth and other things despite the fact that statistically the majority of crack users are white people um i believe as do many others and i do think that the empirical evidence is there is that the war on drugs existed to be just a war on black people the prison population, the population, the black population of the United States is 18%. The prison population, 80% yep. of prisoners are are black. Yep. They've been going to prison for drug charges forever, but the crack epidemic in particular is like a manufactured fake war in order to continue to paint black people in this super predator, right? That was Hillary's old term for it, uh, image. And Nancy's whole war on drugs, dare, like I went through all that stuff as a kid. It didn't change anything. I still ended up doing drugs well, and drinking. Well, just say no. Just say no, all that shit. Yeah. The whole association became like, oh, if you hear about crack, if you know about drugs, like who do you picture, right? And the whole country was yeah. like black people. Black people. And so the war on drugs was such a fucking bullshit trumped up thing that look made them look good. You know, Nancy had something to fucking do. Yeah. And it distracted from other distracted problems. Distracted from Iran Contra where there's also a major argument to be had that the import of crack and other and cocaine and different things is all is like 
in partnership in terms of the guns that we're moving. It's all part of the same. There's Charlie scratching in the background. Yeah. Import export thing. I know it seems like I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but it's important to say that really, really for me and a lot of people socially and especially black America, the Reagans, not only did they fuck over the gay community and not giving a shit about AIDS, they really, really made it abundantly clear that they didn't care about black people because they turned everybody against them in like overnight with it being you know just say no was about protecting white kids well there was a movie made about the guy who got involved with the contra and the, and the, how the drugs were paying for the arms that's correct i that's mean that was you part know, of that's what i'm talking about the, this whole thing people I mean, say it's a conspiracy theory there's of, of course you know anybody could say well that's fake news but there was a lot of evidence to oh, show yeah. that that yeah. is the cia who, who is the star of that movie was it dicaprio I don't know. I don't think I saw it. Oh yeah, no. It's it's a it's a famous movie, and he had a plane, and uh, the CIA hires him, and he takes like the drugs out mm-hmm. and delivers the weapons, and you know, this, right. it, it 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 it's scandalous. It was, you know, well, that's the thing is we horrible. put the drugs in the hands of Black Americans of Americans. Period. Right. If the yeah. majority of crack users are still white people, in the hands of Americans. Period. But then used. Uh, black people as a reason to start the war on drugs. It's really, really, really an abundantly clear uh, time in history where systemic racism is just it's just out of control. Yeah, I, th- I think that the whole drug war uh, and the incarceration uh, of people uh, in, in that war yes. is, is a place where there is systemic racism. We, we privatize prisons for a reason, yeah. for that reason. Yeah. For we well, we need to make more money because we're locking up this many black people. Like, let's figure out a way to to do well, it. And you know, they fucking and, did. And the the other thing that the Reagans did, uh, or the Reagan administration did, was they expelled a lot of mentally ill people onto the streets, mm. and um, that was the beginning of you know it wasn't the beginning of homelessness. We've always had homelessness. We had it in the depression, but it was the m- m- major mm-hmm. contribution to. Uh, the homelessness that we have today. Okay. I mean, you think of the number of homeless people that really are not mentally stable, mm-hmm. and it they just changed the criteria of how you could get into a mental institution and how the mental institution could get funded for the people they had in. Yeah, and those people no longer qualified. Right, so they put them on the streets. I mean, that was that was a a, a blot on the record. And that's the thing is, like, I know you're a fan of Reagan. I know, obviously, he's like the great conservative hero, at least since now it's Donald Trump, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, but I do believe, like, he's a very problematic. I mean, every his, history rated R, everybody's a piece of shit. But uh, Reagan is a very polarizing person, and for good reason. Like, it would be ridiculous of me to say, like, he didn't do anything good and, and was, like, the worst president, because we've already suffered through that. But th- he's also the the pedestal that i think people put him on like <clears throat> is really i consider reagan the f- the first big shotgun blast as to how we eventually got to a president donald trump the hyper patriotism the religion the money from churches in starting to be associated with christians or with republicans yeah the christian conservative right all that kind of stuff started really with reagan i mean correct me if i'm wrong but like and i know this episode is going long but it's fine um I think actually, I'm going to shock you. I think it started with Eisenhower. Okay. I mean, of course, it started forever ago. But I just feel like this, like Ronald Reagan, fucking Rambo shit, started with Reagan. Well, but putting under God in the Pledge of Allegiance was Eisenhower. Okay. Uh, Having prayer breakfasts at the White House was Mm -hmm. Eisenhower. Okay. 
Uh, the requirement that kids fucking say it before school every day, which is really fascistic and it's very strange. That goes back to oh, way back. Okay. And that was finally overturned in 1943 by the Supreme Court right. after they had endorsed it two years earlier. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's all crazy. But I, I think the, the good thing about Reagan was he, he transformed conservatism into something that was access, uh, accessible and, and persuasive, uh, which Barry Goldwater had failed to do. Mm-hmm. He learned from Barry Goldwater's lessons. Right. Uh, what you would probably see as a danger in Reagan is that he was the most polished public speaker, the most rehearsed, mm-hmm. having done 53 scripts, all right. of which he memorized, right. having done um, radio, having yeah. done television. I mean, we've talked about it before, I think, in a much earlier episode, but his speech, that that legendary speech for Barry Goldwater is like yeah. really one of the best speeches that just has ever been given, period. Yes. And that's me trying to be nonpartisan, like just looking at it from a rhetorical standpoint, like it's fucking incredible. Yeah. And you can go to the Reagan library online and you can see that speech uh, or you can go to YouTube. Um, It's it's brilliant Um, and it's it's very well written. And he wrote it himself. Uh, I I know three or four of the Reagan speechwriters and he constantly corrected them Mm. because he he know he knew that you speak for the ear. Right. You you write for the eye. You speak for the ear. And he was just really good at at doing that and being very conversational. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are going to get mad about a lot of things when it comes to Reagan because it is not, you know, it really is one. I mean, I guess that's the way it is today, right? It's really 50-50. It's one way or the other. And uh, we were living in these extremes. It's what I would love for this, for at least some people's entertainment to represent is a little bit of uh, us. I mean, you being a, a as, as you call an authentic conservative, <laughs> me being a, a very uh, staunch liberal, uh, I feel like we are always able to come to the middle because, uh, you know, we are patient individuals who care about each other and we care about progress. And uh, it's why uh, people on in your party probably hate you or would call you a rhino. Yep. Because, now, uh, you know, who would. forbid you believe in in you know things like climate change and gun control well i mean one of the most interesting statistics and fact check us folks because every time i say this in front of a conservative audience the audience goes crazy but it's absolutely true ronald reagan never submitted a balanced budget to the congress he Hmm. always submitted a deficit budget really the question was how big was the deficit going to be under reagan okay he never balanced the budget which Bill Clinton did yeah. balance the budget. Well, that's the thing is like that really put us in in trouble because Clinton balanced the budget, but then with Bush Jr., I mean, the military industrial complex really yeah. got out of hand. And the fact that we're in as crazy of a debt as we are now is because it's like, but what if we had more tanks? You know, and like, but you're Ridiculous, like, but what yeah. are we? Why? Yeah. So trillions and trillions of dollars just to pay for military well, shit. Well, the that whole nobody... Iraq thing, the whole Afghanistan thing, right? And that's a whole other story. Outrageous, but and we'll anyway. get to it. We'll we've get gone, to it. Huh? I know we've gone a little long on Reagan, but uh, I, I am very interested because I it starts to get we're starting to get into a place in U.S. history where I mean, I was born in 87. So to have no memory of this very thin memory of H.W. just as a little kid, like seeing him talk and do stuff. But now having grown up and looked back enough to where, you know, uh, I kind of start to take stake in, in some of these things. Yeah. And I do think that 80s like hyper conservatism reagan buff kind of 
America, like make America great again. Like I kind of feel. And Reagan was the first one to use that. That's phrase. what I mean. Is that really Reagan is the first? I mean, I know you say it goes back to Eisenhower, and we could make a lot of arguments for a lot of different things. But what I'm talking about, like. You're also talking about a dude who's present in the 80s. And what are the movies coming out at this time, right? Rambo 2 and 3. In Rambo 3, he's in Afghanistan helping Afghanis fight against the fucking Russians. Uh, You've got... And you've got Star Wars. Star Wars, right. Dividing the world into good and evil. Right. And you've got dudes on steroids. You've got, like, people fucking jacked up. You've got people obsessed with, like, machine guns now and the action movie. And the way that we just looked at masculinity... I mean, it's always been shitty and toxic but 80s masculinity is very is a big turning point for how we started to market things to men and to boys yeah even beyond like what masculinity was in the 50s or 60s it's now like fucking super buff and sweaty and like wrestlers and (laughs) guns and you know what i mean like just yeah it just got fucking crazy and that to me really really starts with reagan and then obviously carries on and 9-11 just kind of i think in my opinion takes things off but, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I agree. Anyway, that's for another day. So uh, we'll be back just shortly with our fan fact check, and um, we can hear how much people uh, disagree with the things that I have to say. Or me. <laughs> okay, Craig. As you know, uh, we have one more episode after this that is pre-taped, and mm-hmm. that's about Clinton. Clinton. When American Crime Story impeachment was coming out. Yes, and that was last was Sarah Paulson fall because I was on that television show. Yes, we you watched were a it together. I you was were a, reporter. a reporter. I got to yell a question at Sarah Paulson, yeah. who is uh, wonderful. She was great. She did such. A, I mean, watching her act was like was such a a dream come true. And I'm very sorry that she wasn't nominated for an Emmy for that performance. She did a really great job. Yeah, yeah that was really was too bad. Um, so that, that'll be our next episode. Then we are all caught up with our previously recorded things. You want to do W. I know you want to do George Bush yeah. Jr. Mm-hmm. And you said you wanted to do Obama. I think we should just, you know, finish up. But if you want but to do so something recent. before then, I found all my I want to do notes. a lot of things before then. Well, I found all my notes on uh, suffrage movement mm-hmm. and feminism. Suffrage. Yeah. That's that sweet David Bowie song. Suffrage City? Suffragette City? Oh, my God. Right. Don't call them suffragettes. That's diminutive. They're suffragists. I'm making a joke. Uh-huh. Well, when I make a, a joke about that, so you don't let me do it. <laughs> because what you're, cause I'm saying a song by David Bowie, and you're calling people fatsos, and that's just like blatantly no, rude. No, I'm not. Then what are you saying? You just said fatsos. If there's an echo in here. Uh-huh. <laughs> No fat shaming. Um, the uh, we got a we got an email mm. from someone who I think who knows you. Oh, okay. So thank you for writing in, Jim Bonstein. Mm-hmm. He said, Second Amendment podcast. Love the Second Amendment podcast. Do you think the pendulum will swing back sometime in the other direction when it comes to the Supreme Court rulings in the future that are concerned with the Second Amendment? It sounded like you were alluding to, based on some recent judge appointments, that that might be the case. Is there a current case? or one in the near future that will be a good test of the Supreme Court attitudes towards Second Amendment issues. And tell anyone threatening Craig, they're also threatening me. He is a friend and a mentor, wishing you all the best. Thank you, Jim. And he will be here for dinner on the roof very soon. Wow. Um, Jim, the bad news is uh, the court is stacked. They had a case, and they could have ruled the other way, the New York Pistol Association case that they just ruled on. Unfortunately, they went the wrong way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
And so now we have three precedents on the books from 2008, a 5-4, a 5-4, and, and, a, and another 5-4. And um, it's, it's just, it's really unfortunate that they don't read the Second Amendment the way I do. Yeah. And what Why don't I, you be um, a Supreme Court justice? I, I would love to. I would love to. You would be the conservative justice who... I'm too old now. No. <laughs> well, you would side with the liberals sometimes, and you'd side with the conservatives sometimes. Well, I, I would do what a, a common sense reading of the Constitution directed me to do. Yeah. And they didn't do that with gun control. Um, I mean, there's another way to do it, and that's to say, let, let's do a cost-benefits analysis of what our ruling is going to result in. Right. You know, like More millions of deaths. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Should we stop death? Hmm. No, let's read the Constitution correctly. So, you know, uh, as, Amy Com- as, as Amy Comey Barrett recently said, uh-huh. the correct interpretation of the Constitution is not always the best public policy, but there's nothing we can do about it as justices. Do you think that's true? Yes. That's some bullshit. Why do people, no, why do I we, mean, you're on the side of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm saying, how can we hold so steadfast to history? You know, we're breaking it down it's, in a fun it's, way it's here. Not, it's not history we're, we're yes, it is. steadfast the to. The Constitution. It is what the words say. I don't give a shit. They were written like 250 years ago. But they didn't we know pledged about ourselves now. to uphold the Constitution. Everybody who's sworn in to any federal post Good for them. has to uphold the Constitution. Understood. And we should also work to change it consistently to yeah, be reflective well, of the world that we live in. As Thomas Jefferson, your liberal friend said, uh-huh. and James Madison, my, my liberal cons- friend. These my are conservative different guys. friend Thomas Jefferson says, owned slaves and impregnated slaves. He's not that close to me. We're not the same liberal. Okay, fine. Yeah. But... Jefferson and Madison said, if you want to change the Constitution, amend it. It's, it's there. Correct. It's been amended 27 times. So and go ha- ahead and amend it. But we... It's just Good not... Luck. <laughs> right, people suck. It's like when people are like, well, the Bible says... I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. We don't pledge ourselves to the Bible. Are we you pledge sure? ourselves to the Constitution. Uh-huh. Four Catholic, five Catholic conservative judges beg to differ, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we Catholics have ruled. We've packed the court, but You're nobody was looking. Bloody Mary here to kill all the Protestants. Oh, yeah. Um, well, what a great... This has been a great episode, a long episode. Next week's going to probably run a little long, too. But that's okay. I want to get back to like our sweet spot. Once we get done with Clinton, we're going to take a good break. We're going to do some... Some new episodes, some new stories. Talk about some ladies. Well, the people on the long commutes love us. Is that what they say? Yeah. Well, great. By the way, uh, I study our numbers, you know, study them. We didn't quite get to 10,000. Oh, we're not at the end of the month. It was six, exactly six months in. And by this time this releases, oh, this will oh, be our six month anniversary. Okay. We didn't hit it. But our, our weekly average is going up consistently. Oh, that's good. Maybe I shouldn't be as open because it's like, not like our numbers are that impressive, but I think that's how I want people to know. Like I've been in the podcast business for a long time. Doing a podcast is really fucking hard. It's hard to be consistent. It's hard to keep a weekly release and it's hard to stay fresh. It's hard to stay funny. What I'm trying to say is I have a really hard job, folks. (laughs) And if you appreciate people who work hard for you and your entertainment for free, Leave us a five star rating and review. You know that's the bet. That's all you. That's all you got to do. And and Will does a terrific job of mining around my hard drive, finding information that I can recall. Mining around your hard drive, the one in your brain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's watch gonna, out. Watch gonna, out for the use of the word hard. It's good. <laughs> podcast. Different kind you. of drive. <laughs> um, 
it's there's gonna come a time where we're gonna have to start doing some research for new stories are we gonna run out of oh, what's no, in no, your brain no no i'm eternal <laughs> <laughs> okay well craig uh is I mean, the we, eternal we, we're we, you know we're gonna do some things with the women we're gonna do some things with Catherine the gray the women hmm? i love the women Okay. Nobody's ever loved women more than me. Okay. Nobody knows more about the women. Nobody than knows me. more about women than me. You've never seen anybody who loves a woman more than I love a woman. Um, oh, I fucking hate that guy. Fuck that guy. Well, this has been so much fun. Craig's on Instagram at the underscore retor. I am on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Will Sterling underscore. We just did a guest spot on a great podcast called Mental Health Mondays with Marla and Dave. We did. If you guys want to listen to me and Craig talk about the importance of discussing uh, mental illness and mental health and taking away the stigma, making sure that people feel happy and healthy and and cared for, check us out on that show. We had tons of fun. We're probably going to go back. Yeah, it's Mental Health Mondays with Marla and Dave. There's you a can, YouTube You can too. get it, and, and it, it's out on YouTube. If you want to so see me so you can see us with silly headphones on. You don't like to wear headphones when we do I show. hate it. I love it. Yeah, I anyway. can. You know why? Do you know mostly why I like wearing headphones? No, why? Because I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Hello. Oh, my Hi, God. Craig. My name is Morgan uh, And Freeman. we do talk about narcissism on the show. There is a time, Craig, where I love the sound of my own voice. My name is Morgan Freeman. I bet you listen to your own documentaries every day. How do you? That's an okay impression, huh? Okay. Hello, uh, Craig. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> There's always a breath at the end. I was like, hi. Every time he talks, there's a breath. <laughs> okay, now before I piss people off too much, go check us out at Instagram at HistoryRatedR, HistoryRatedR at gmail.com. Write us your complaints. Leave us a two-star review. Say that we babble about alcohol and that other podcasts are better than us. It sounds petty when I keep bringing up this thing, huh? Yeah, leave it alone. It's funny. Let's move on. I as they kind say. of have a weird shot. In f- I sort of like the negative review because then it's something to talk well, about. I do too. You I know? do too. But can we move on now? <laughs> Once you get the fucking microphone in the place where it needs to be consistently without me having to tell you, we can move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun. Um, I don't know how to end it. I guess it's over, right? Right. Okay. Uh, this is called. Say what you say. This is. History rated R. (laughs) 